see trees of green Red roses too I see them blue For me and you And I think to myself Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, the Art Box. Welcome to the Art Box. Today, I'm on vacation. I got very, very lucky for Nikki to invite me over to this wonderful Lincoln City Cultural Center that my wife Gwen and I found a couple days ago. We were like, oh, and now I get to be here with the podcast. Nikki, want to tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Nikki Price. I'm the executive director of the Lincoln City Cultural Center. We are a 17,000 square foot home of art and culture visual and performing arts here in the town of Lincoln City, Oregon. I'm originally from Arizona. I was born in Tucson and raised in a small town called Payson. My husband and I moved here in 1996. Why'd you move here? Funny, a lot of people move here because they love the ocean. Okay. And they come here on vacation and they decide that they have to live next to the ocean. That was not my story at all. We were living in Payson and I was pretty happy there, but my husband wanted a different job and he wanted to live by the water. So he started looking around for a job and he found the job here. So I came here sight unseen. Did you really? Really. <laughs> had you guys, did you buy the house sight unseen? No. Well, no. I had been here before. I knew it was rainy and I knew it was wet and I knew it was very different from where I came from in Arizona. But that was about it. That's about all I knew. And what did you do when you came here? We were both in newspapers at the time. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We were both working for the same newspaper in Payson, Arizona. That's how we met. And he's a publisher. And he's on the ad side, and I was on the editorial side. We moved up here, and he became the publisher of the newspaper. And then you bought a radio station? No, we were guests. We, we had a lot of guest time on a radio station, our okay. local radio station here. Uh, yeah, so we stayed in newspapers and did a variety of things, mostly small community newspapers. Eventually, around 2005, we decided that we wanted to stop moving around and working for other people. And we thought the best way to stay in one place would be to own our own newspaper. And so we, we decided to come back to Lincoln City. We had moved a couple other locations, and we decided to move back here and start our own newspaper. So we were owner and publishers of our own paper for seven years. And that was before papers went online? <laughs> well, we were online as well. Where you were at? Yeah. And that was when? Uh, 2005. Okay. And then we sold the paper, but it's still in existence. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Does it still publish a paper copy? It does. Is that free? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a local newspaper that's all about arts and entertainment and uh, the outdoors. It's called the Oregon Coast Today. Okay. I guess I better pick up one. Yeah, you should. Oh, that's great. More than 100 years, there's been a, a, news, a newsy newspaper right. here. What we wanted to do is take all of the hard news out and leave all the fun stuff in. 
some newspaper after my own heart. <laughs> and me too, because by that time I was really tired of writing editorials about tough topics, and I was tired of writing about hard emergencies and you know hard news in general. What I really wanted to do, and what I've always loved the most, is arts journalism and features, profiles, ways to get out and enjoy this beautiful place. And so we made the whole concept of the paper around what's happening this week and what's fun how to go out looking for low tide creatures and why are the sea stars where they are and the oysters where they are what's the best way to go to the Oregon coast aquarium and all the different arts organizations and what are they doing what are the famous stores and why are they famous and just all sorts of things that would be of interest to someone who's visiting and it turns out that people it's not just for people who visit it's for people who relocate here who want to really become part of the community. They pick up the today every week. And then even if you've lived here for a long time, I still pick it up and I still learn things. So that's our that was our paper. But as you alluded to, the whole industry of newspapers is not what it once was. And so we decided to try to switch careers while we still could. We sold the paper and we both moved on to other things. I became the director here at the Cultural Center and my husband became the small business development director at the Oregon Coast Community College. And where's the community college? Its headquarters is in headquarters is in Newport, and we have campuses in Lincoln City and Waldport, all in Lincoln County. Does he? I assume he probably works from home a lot now. No, he's he's been in charge of the. Uh, well, he does work a lot at home. We both are yeah. take, take our jobs pretty seriously, so we we work at home and at work. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're like me that yeah. they got the best deal going when they got me at home because the job never left. That's right. That's right. It's always with you. Right around the corner. Uh I know there's a lot of talk right now about work-life balance, and I I think that's great, but I actually am not too interested in it, (laughs) to be honest. I, I, I... I am okay with it. I love. I like having my job with me. I'm glad to hear you say that, because I used to get teased a lot from the younger son. Yeah. There goes Dad. Off to work, you can hardly get to hardly wait to get to work. Yeah, and I loved what I did, and then I retired, and I love what I do in retirement. You know, we both are in charge of our buildings, and so we both have the alarm systems on our phones, <laughs> and so we're the ones who get called when there's some problem. The alarm system, or the cops, or anything. Or you the know, leaky or, roof. Yeah, and, and the leaky roof. And as a matter of fact, I'm the number two on his. <laughs> So sometimes the alarm system for his building calls me, and it's all it's all part of the game in a small town. And you can yell at him and say, "Hey, why do I got to pick up your, your alarms?" <laughs> no, sometimes they call me. They say there's an intruder in the in the back door, and I'm like, "Oh no, that's Dave." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's small town life for you, really. Well, I love hearing this because it's um, how many people. Let me ask you this: Did you your other jobs? Your newspaper yeah. reporter job. Yeah. yeah. Did you love that job? Did I love that job? It was a pretty good job. It was a pretty yeah. good job. But I wouldn't say I, I loved it. I love what I love that journalism gives you the access to experiences. I actually think that's the best part about it. You know, when you say you work for a newspaper or an outlet or a podcast, as you know, it opens doors and it lets you meet people and it, it, it sort of gives you this fast forward relationship you can get right to the heart of what they do. And gosh, how long would it take you to get to that place as a casual friend that you meet at the donut shop? You might never, you might, you might, you may never hear the things that you hear when you do an interview. And I, I miss that 
to be honest. I miss that part of journalism. You know, you just get to do things that nobody else is allowed to do. <laughs> but you have all these people coming through here every day. Surely, yeah, this is, a surely, di- this is a different joy. Surely yeah. everybody wants to talk to you. That's true. It's true. People always want to. And I, and I them. Is about family? Uh, like I mentioned, I have my husband, Dave, and then we have two children, and they are uh, college age. I have a daughter who is getting her master's degree in geology at the University of Oregon, and I have a son getting his degree in math at Oregon State. Well, right now, my, my son's at home, but my, my daughter's back at her place in Eugene. Well, that's true. He might be able to do a lot of his remote anyway, right? Yeah. So we're in that phase of life where we have adult kids. And it's nice. Yeah, it's definitely got its perks. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we were kind of happy to be empty nesters. Yeah. And then we weren't empty nesters. And then we were empty nesters. <laughs> yes, I, I understand. This is this nesters. is a process. It's a journey, right? <laughs> yeah. But we're empty nesters now. Yeah, so that's our family. My mother lived here in Lincoln City with us for quite, I mean, not with us, but in Lincoln City for about 10 years, and then recently has moved to Bend. And then my husband's parents just moved to Lincoln City. We got a lot of family there. They all moved up here with you or around the time of you moving? No, just over the, over the years. Over they the came years. They came to visit and liked it more and more. It's a nice place to live. we got to have that rain. <laughs> yeah, if you can handle the rain, you know, there's there's no better place. So, Nikki, personally, what kind of art? What, what, what is your medium of art? My favorite thing to do is uh, is to be on stage. I'm a big fan of musical theater, and I've been in uh, a lot of plays and sketches and talent shows and various things over the over the course of the years i don't act much right now and i think the reason for that is that my job is really demanding and i just don't have time to have three or four nights a week of rehearsals i do think it it affects it it feeds into my the way that i run the cultural center because I'm not afraid of a microphone, <laughs> and I always grab it. I'm the biggest ham out there, and so if something goes wrong, you know, I'm always just on stage, just trying to smooth it over. And and I think that all comes from a theater background. So that's my main thing. I got a minor in theater uh, from the University of Arizona, and I worked in dramaturgy for a short time for recent for regional theater. It's a really really competitive field that's filled with rejection. I don't think I could, I just didn't have what it took to stick with it. So I found other ways to, to make money and, and to enjoy myself. And I was telling you about my cousin. Yeah. And, him and, and it was interesting that he I told you he was in place with my mom and all. And he said that he learned that he didn't feel very comfortable on stage. He said, but he looked out at the audience and said, how come there's more people on stage than in the audience, <laughs> and that's why he went to the direction he did. Oh, and he got involved he in promotion and, and administration. Yeah. There is a lot of joy in that, and I have to say that I don't miss being on stage. Honestly, I don't, and it's because I'm always making things happen for the center and for other people, and there's a, I get a lot of joy out of that. Yeah, there's a lot of satisfaction yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah. So your question was, what art do I do? And well, the theater's art. Uh, yes, it is. And uh, I do a little calligraphy. And, okay. you know, I, I, I paint ornaments and I do some small crafty things like that. Well, they always have to be pulling on you around here, don't they? Yeah. Come to my class. Come to my class. Yeah. 
I do find it difficult to commit to any classes or any hobby that requires any sustained attention. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, and I have to tell you that everything else I do, I'm a photographer, and it's all suffering because of this podcast. Yeah. But now I'm having fun with the podcast. Yeah. So I must say that's my art. And what, of course it is. And if you're learning something and feeling new, feeling creative in different ways, it's, you know, that with the term art, I'm sure you've had some, some good times on this podcast picking the term art. Art. I think it's just how you spend your time and make your brain go in new places. doesn't matter if there's a product at the end or if it's beautiful or if it's in your own head. It really matter. So, so speaking of your own head, and of course now your work isn't on stage, but it's in administration. Do you do you, how do you deal with the critic in your head? Do you have a critic in your head of course. that says, "Nikki, you should have done A, B, or C." Yeah, not the art critic anymore. Now it's the administrative. Critic. Yeah, the non the nonprofit critic. The nonprofit oh, yeah. critic. Yeah, yeah, she's she's pretty noisy. It was easy in the first few years that I was here because I didn't know anything and I didn't know what I didn't know and the the place itself was in pretty hard financial situation um, it was a pretty dry dire financial straits we had been through our first round of renovations which of course cost more than they were supposed to and it was the recession and we had this renovated building and no programs going on and it looked like we that the city might pull the plug on the funding. I had no time to be critical. I just had to find find a way to do something and do it. A lot of times there would be this big challenge and I would wonder, why on earth is this my job? I am not qualified for this at all. But then I would look around and well, there's no one else to do it. So I did it. And, and that was pretty exciting. It's a pretty exciting time to, to not really be afraid because you can't really fail. You just, as long as you work hard, you can't really fail. So then now you fast forward it 10 years. And now the challenge is to actually keep your mind open and listen to new ways of doing things. Because you feel as if you forged the right path all the way along the way. And you've been through this four years ago. And you don't want to try it again. You know, someone has an idea. You, you, you tried that once before. You don't want to try it again. And, and I find that the challenge is to not be the critic for other people. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. You want this to be everybody's center. I want it to be everyone's center, and I want everyone to be successful here. But I don't. I've already been through a lot of trial and tribulation, and sometimes I feel like I know best. So the challenge is to think that maybe I'm not right. Maybe before, if it didn't work, it was about timing or money or audience or you know something didn't work before doesn't mean it won't work in the future. It's best to keep an open mind. Yeah, I hate, I hate to generalize it like that. Also, it's best to let people into the process. Even though you've got a good system and you figured things out, you got to let them in the process. So you give some autonomy to your, your chairs. You mean the, the different uh, staff members yeah, the or, different or staff board? Members. Yes. You might have noticed in my resume that I gave you there, There's no there are no uh, classes in management or personnel management or business management. I've never been a real great manager uh, of, of people, delegator, uh, plan maker. I, I'm not a really good manager of people, I think. But what I do is I find people who are better than me at what they do. And I just try to support them. 
and I give them as few rules as I possibly can. And uh, we have regular meetings, and and that's what they do. So I, I'm not a very good delegator. I'm a well. It sounds like you are. It sounds like you are. <laughs> well, not in a real control kind of way. I think so. I'm trying to say is I don't have a work plan for everyone or a, a series of goals they need to meet. I just really like to see them be successful. They're going to bring more to this job than I can tell them. So go for it. So it's not just you. It's the whole the whole group. Yeah, and a, a good example of that is our visual arts director, Krista Eddy. Yeah, Truly, I, I, she's... I met Krista, right? Yeah, yeah, she she runs... Now she's running three galleries, our children's art program, and now she's taking the outreach into schools. Uh, she does murals. She's, out, she's outside right now uh, on the Christmas tree, taking down all the Christmas tree ornaments. She does everything. She's fearless, and uh, I, I'm just lucky to be here alongside her. No, the idea is if you can hire or bring along good people. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the, the best situation. Yeah. Who have the heart for it. And we'll take the uh, we'll take the reins. Before I had this job I don't know that I knew that there were people out there who wanted to be managed and didn't want any responsibility. I I didn't really understand that. I have come across several employees along the way who aren't here anymore, who don't do something unless they they are told to do it. It just doesn't work <laughs> in my system. <laughs> they have to, to accept responsibility for this, this cultural center and the, the things that they do. And they have to have a, their own creative drive. You get to spend your days doing things that are productive. And I think that's a that's just a blessing if you if you can have a job then in which you are active all day long doing something that that is a is a positive product that you can look back on and and uh, and know that you've done a good day's work i think that's not everyone gets that and i enjoy that very much how about grants how about grants yeah, how about grants do i need a little more specific um <laughs> Do you get many grants here? Do you apply? Do you chase after them? How hard is it? Do you have any suggestions? Yes. Yes. Yes, no. Okay, no. Now, <laughs> now you got to talk. No. Yeah. Every year, it's a little bit different. Funding here at the Cultural Center is like a three-legged stool, I would say. We have programs, and it brings in a certain amount of income, and that's one leg. And then we have the sort of auxiliary income, event rentals, uh, banquets, weddings, just general space rentals, and that provides some of our income. The third leg is uh, grants and donations. We go after a lot of grants, and we've been doing it kind of an overdrive for the past two or three years because we're getting ready to do this big outdoor project called the, the Cultural Plaza. So it's a, at this point in time, it's about a $2.6 million project, and it's just pretty much been an ongoing thing for the past four years, is um, just chipping away at the, the necessary funds that we're going to need to do that project. I've learned a lot. I think it, it plays to my strengths of writing in storytelling that I brought with me from journalism and theater. The part that I've had to learn as I get better at grant writing is um, the program evaluation and the metrics and all those 
those more straightforward measurement portions and putting them into grant speed. Those are those have been the biggest challenges I've had so far. My suggestion on getting better at writing grants is, at least here in Oregon, there are always classes, always workshops that you can take about writing grants. They're just I hope I hope wherever you are, wherever I was listening, that you have the same sort of feeling. Um, but there's always cheap education to be had about writing grants. So I took a couple of those workshops along the way, and it's been very, very helpful. My other suggestion is to start small. Look around at your regional arts and culture grants and your heritage grants and then your local TRT money, for example, you know, any small grants, and just sort of get going with the 500 and the 1,000 and the 2,000 and the $5,000 grants because that will help you hone your message as you move forward. And so you just get a little bit better at it, a little bit better at it. And then, you know, there's great grant consultants out there, and I have learned a lot watching professionals work. I've watched these professionals write grants, and sometimes they're very successful and sometimes not successful. You know, it's helpful to see a professional work, especially in the multi-stage grants, like the ones you have to write the LOI first, and then you have to bring in your second grant, first round, second round, and, and each one of those has a different set of skills and then just do it okay what's the outdoor project you're talking about the outdoor project is a redevelopment of a 2.6 acre parcel that's around the cultural center this cultural center is located inside the d lake school and outside the walls of the d lake school is grass broken pavement broken down fences sort of patchwork of parking parking that doesn't work broken alligator parking and it's just kind of an old schoolyard that was never improved it's just kind of a mess and so i really think that a lot of people don't visit the cultural center because they can't see that it is a cultural center they think it's an old school still and it looks a little run down on the outside so they don't feel welcome and then when they try to drive in the driveways don't really make sense. They're not engineered properly because they weren't designed for a cultural center. They were designed for a school. What we're going to do is tear it all up and take all the parking and put it on the east side of the of the property, which is and that's what, what we're call, looking at now. Yeah, the back is what you would probably call it. It's yeah. the one, the part of the property that's away from 101, the Highway 101. And then we're going to surround the D Lake School building with sidewalks and plazas and seating area and an accessible meandering poetry pathway that's going to go along next to the highway. There's going to be lots more landscaping. We have five different public art installations. One of them is already in. It's a large abstract piece by an artist from Portland named Pete Beeman. Then we have some uh, outdoor instruments that are being purchased by the Rotary Club. So there's going to be a little node with these outdoor instruments. There's going to be a mosaic with a concrete octopus in a classroom area in the back. The path itself is going to have seated glass and uh, poetry, sandblasted alongside. And then perhaps in the next phase, next year, litho mosaic by an artist in California named Robin Brailsford. It's called the Lincoln City Cosmography, and it is 64 discs of mosaic depicting the natural world here in Lincoln City. So there's going to be birds and sea life and seasons, and it's it's like a big mandala, and it, it's just going to be beautiful, maybe like 25 feet across 
right on the western entrance of the cultural center. And she sent me pictures. And yeah. of course, Robin's the reason I'm here. Yeah, Robin's our mutual friend, and that's why I'm here on the podcast today. So I'm glad we got a chance yeah. to talk about working with her. It's been amazing. It's very exciting around here. I it, mean, just besides the building, yeah, is amazing, and what you've done inside of it. But I didn't know the outside. We've been working on this since 2018. It's been such an exciting adventure trying to pull it all together. We were originally, I think, completely funded to construct in 2020. And one of the reasons why we didn't is because part of our funding came from lottery bonds. And here in Oregon, we are, we have lottery bonds that pay for infrastructure projects like this. And we were really excited to get this grant. We were all ready to go. And then the lottery canceled the bonds because no one was paying lottery because because of pandemic no one could go into the bars and play poker oh really i know i had no idea i had no idea this is how it all worked because no one was playing poker in in the bars there was not enough money coming into to the lottery to float these bonds and so our project and a bunch of other really important projects across the state were all canceled because we didn't, we couldn't were they, move were forward. Were they canceled? Well, the, or, the bonds or just put back. No, the bonds were canceled, one hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. So all of us who were depending upon them had to just stop our projects and wait till something else came along. Fortunately for us, we have two big advocates at the state capitol. Both our representative and our senator are here from Lincoln City, so they fought to get that money back for us and so we were able to to get that funding restored through a different source through the ARPA rescue fund that's how we were able to bring our project back online good when's the date for that project well we just got some exciting bids in early December and we're going to be awarding that contract I think sometime in the next week oh okay so yeah. real soon yeah so we hope to break ground in the spring wow that's great yeah so that, when we come back next year We'll have to make sure we come back. Next Boy, I, I, if all goes to plan, it will look completely different. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, we are we are really looking forward to it. I think it's going to really just bring people off the street in a way that we can't do right now. And it's going to have all these invitations to people driving by. If, you're, if your listeners are not familiar with what, a beach town here on the Oregon coast is like, you know, 101 is our artery. It's our lifeline. And if and if you can't pull someone off of 101, you know, you really have a hard time getting their, your business going. And so to use our Highway 101 frontage in a more successful way is, is I think, the key. The key to our long-term success. And I will have to say that I know you're going to do all that and you're excited about it. But it looked pretty good to us. I think there's um, a string of lights or something up there. And yeah. then the one art piece you have there, and then it being an old elementary schoolish looking, it just, my, I think my wife saw it first. There yeah. it is. Yeah, well, I, I feel the same way. I, I think when I travel, I'm, I, I'm like you, though. I have this, this antenna. <laughs> and I find places that the, the rest of my party is used to like, how did you know about this? I'm like, how didn't you? <laughs> Look, it's a Carnegie Library. How did you miss that? It's amazing. Come on. We're always looking for artsy places. Yeah. And they can be old. They can be whatever. Yeah, I look for all the little signals, you know, that that I I can see. It's a quirky old building. Something fun's happening in there, and I want to go. I have to go. And when we stepped in the door, I was like, oh, everybody back home will be totally jealous of this building. Well, thanks for saying that. 
It's it's uh, lately, you know, you and I were walking around earlier and looking at all those murals. Lately, it has felt as if we are making me and my staff are are putting our own stamp on the building in a new way. We're not just stewarding it. We're not just maintaining it. We're not just making sure that it, it lasts for the next generation. Suddenly, it feels as if we're changing it for the better. And I just, that, that feels really good. Yeah. And, like then, and then you bring new people in, and they put a little stamp on it. Right. And everyone can, can now look back at things that, that they worked on, maybe a mural or a mosaic piece, or they put, do one of our commemorative bricks that we're going to put in the, in the east side entrance. You know, they, pop, they bought one of those and helped us make our money. And, you know, it's just, we're just going to keep filling this place up with exciting things to see. Creativity and love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we last year we had this exhibit that was here for six months from washed ashore, the the marine debris exhibit, and we had six giant sculptures out uh, on one hundred and one. And that when I saw how attractive those were to passersby, that really gave me the momentum I needed to keep pushing the plaza project through because people. We're looking at those sculptures in all kinds of weather, day and night, and they were... Well, they probably look different in, day or night in yeah. all kinds of weather, right? Well, yeah, and they, people would just pull over and say, what the heck is that? And they would walk around, and I wasn't able to to actually codify this. I tried to do some surveys. It, it, it wasn't as successful as I wanted to be. But I felt as if we had a much more diverse crowd of people touring the outside. Big families that looked like they were from all over the place, and, uh, and they were, kids were crawling around, and they were people who looked ethnically diverse. And I just I was so excited by that because I felt as if there was something welcoming about those sculptures that, would, that, that they would, we weren't doing before. There was some sort of psychological barrier that was preventing those parties from coming through the door. And I'm just so excited by the idea that, that if we put things out on the lawn like that, that there will be more welcoming feeling being pushing out into the world. Yeah, I can't put my finger on exactly what it, what it was, what it was about these sculptures, but I was just so excited. What are the signals that, that a facility can display and I don't mean, you know, like on um, two-dimensional symbols, but like what, what, is it, what does it need to have in order for people of all walks of life to really feel welcome? Obviously, one of the biggest questions of our time, so I'm not going to answer it right now. Because I mean, we know the national parks. I don't want to say they have a problem like that. It's a problem. It would appear to be a problem. We just did our new strategic plan, which uh, was funded by a grant. We were very grateful to be working with the, the MJ Murdoch Memorial Trust. They're here in Oregon, uh, sorry, they're actually located in Vancouver, and they, they fund in uh, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and they're just, they're all about sustainable organizations and resourcing yourself to the level that you really need, jumping yourself out of this scarcity mindset to, to really planning aggressively for success in the future. 
And so on their website, you can see all these great budget tools and workshops and webinars, and they're, they're into serious philanthropy, not just from, from on their side, but also spurring it with other organizations and, and large donors. And so working with them, we've created the strategic plan that, that rolls in uh, goals for diversity and equity, but also long-term funding and also helps us look beyond the plaza because I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here, but the plaza is going to change our organization because it's going to allow us to do a lot more things outside. It's going to require a lot more outdoor maintenance and it's going to require a lot of staff input. And how does our organization get bigger in time to meet the plaza when it's done? Once the, yeah, I'm not thinking about that. It'll have to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now we're, we have this acreage outside that isn't taken care of. Somebody cuts the grass and picks up trash and that's it. That's right. Now, so, now you'll have classes out there. Well, we're going to have a lot of things out there, we hope, and, and we have to plan for that. Uh, so this strategic plan is allowing us to expand our giving program and our grant writing programs and really our staff so that we are ready to manage that that facility when it's done. It's a small thing. No big deal. (laughs) That's very interesting, but I wouldn't think of that. Yeah. I've seen it happen before and I've read case studies about how it happens before how it happens with small organizations. You know, you you get lucky and get the big grant and do the big project and and then the giving community moves on to some other project or or you lose some of your key staff or or you know you you don't plan properly or you spend all your money on the project and you're not you don't have anything left in the coffers when you're done and uh, those are all things we're trying to avoid are you familiar with the devos institute for arts management no there's a an author and an arts manager named michael kaiser and he wrote a book called The Cycle. It's a small book, and I recommend it to any um, arts administration person out there. He takes some case studies, and he feeds them into this idea that he had, which is called The Cycle. It doesn't allow for an arts organization to retreat. It always challenges you to lead with innovative programming. Don't sit back on your laurels and, be, and wonder why your funding base shrinks. Always be thinking about innovative, surprising, excellent, artistic programs. That's it. Just think about that. And if you do that, and you do it with sincerity, and you telegraph it years in advance, you can bring your family with you. And by that, I mean your funding family. You get your artistic staff together, and you think about some of your dreams that you have, some of the things that you really want to do, and you start planning for them. Maybe not this year maybe two years from now, maybe three years from now, and you build this system in which there's always something coming on the horizon. And then you market as to the best of your abilities, and then you start bringing your funding family, your membership, and your larger patrons along with. That's the kind of work I'm trying to apply to the plaza. I'm trying to look ahead two years and say, so once this plaza is done, and I can't believe I'm even going to say that, but it's going to be done it's at some done. point. Then, what well, what are we going to program yeah, in 24 that, yeah. and 25 on that in that outdoor space? Well, it opens up a lot of opportunity. 
not just for you, but for the community. Yeah. For the children. Yeah. Yeah. Safer, more comfortable, more accessible. Great advice. <laughs> I'm taking that as advice. Oh, good. Because the, the folks back home will hear that. Yeah. No, it, it it's it's nice. It, it's wonderful when you can get your organization to a place where you have the time to be thinking about two or three years in advance. Not everyone is so lucky. As we know, we have experienced in the last few years of pandemic. Not everyone has that luxury. Do you guys use social media? We do. We're on Facebook, to a lesser extent on Instagram. We haven't been able to do any TikTok yet. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to be creative with with uh, this with social media. A lot of ways to go for it to go wrong as well. And I think that's part of our trepidation. I don't know how you feel about it, but sometimes I wonder whether or not it's it's the right thing for us if we have to learn how to do it and be awkward doing it and and uh, how much effort is really meaningful. Yeah, we have a website. We have a, a fruit. I think it's a pretty good website. It's, it suffers a little bit from uh, all the things that we do, you know. So we, we do classes and rentals and performing arts and fundraisers and, and special events and you know, so, so it can be hard to find your thing on our site, but we keep trying. Yeah. Ours is. Yours is. is uh, too many little moving parts. And you gotta go around. <laughs> we, we talk about you want to make it the important stuff above the fold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, now I'm talking newspapers. Yeah, you're talking talk newspapers. Yes. <laughs> well, I learned if I may be, give another little piece of advice that I've used a lot lately is that. I was, I was here when we redid the website. It's been about eight years ago and we brought in a new website. And I still think it's a good website, but sometimes I get people who, who have complaints about the website. And I would take them to the webmaster and he would say, he would say but specifically, what, what is wrong with it specifically? And, and I realized that I was allowing people to say things like, I don't like your website. It's confusing. And I would take that back to my webmaster. Well, he can't do anything with that. So every time someone complains about the website, I say, what exactly? Be specific. And I just keep poking and poking and poking at that complaint until I find out exactly what it is that the person needs to be changed. And then that's good. Yeah. That's good that they, they feel heard, and I know exactly what to tell the webmaster. And, and, and I can decide if this is something that actually can be fixed. Sometimes this person wants it to be something that it's not. They are into um, galleries, for example, and they want galleries to be front and center all the time on the front page of the website, and they want to see exactly what's in the galleries, and they want to know exactly what the hours are, and they don't want to have to go to any other pages to get to that. Well, I can't do that you're, for them. You're more than a gallery. I can't, I can't do that for them. The website has to be a lot of things for a lot of people. So by continuing to ask the question, what specifically, I've learned a lot and I've made good choices and, and I've been able to tell the webmaster how to fix things and I think it's, it's improved. Yeah. Do, do you have a membership? Um, you mean like a membership program? Yes, yeah, there a membership program? Yes. Yes, that we have a uh, we have membership benefits uh, at different levels, um, starting from a basic membership of uh, forty dollars up to a five hundred dollar membership, and there's different membership benefits in, in in between. 
Okay. And if anybody's interested in that, they can look at your website. Yes, yes. So, yeah, the membership uh, program is also an interesting topic because it's we are a public place that anybody can come to. You don't have to be a member to come. So you have to always couch that in the right language so that people know that what you really are looking for is just general support and you have you don't have to be a member to attend. Right. So. Yeah, and you don't have to pay to come in here. Right. Is there a story that sticks out in your mind in your tenure here? It could be a good story. Yeah, let's make it a good story. I don't know. That's a happy story. One of my favorite stories, it's about working in an old, in a historic building. And we are mostly female here on our staff. And sometimes we have men who come in who have a contracting or engineering background. And they always, they always want to tell us stuff. And it's, I try to be as polite as I can. And it's always well-meaning, but usually they want to tell us something that they, they don't think we know. A man came in and he said something about, you know, I don't know if you know this, but at the south end of the building, the wall is falling. And I thought he meant it was cracked or the bricks were, you know, getting kind of soft and, yeah. and you know, all these things that I knew. And I just kind of said, I... Okay, you yeah, know, and, yeah, okay. And then he came. He says, "Well, I could show you." Oh, okay, you know. So I put my files down and my phone and everything, and I go and I go to the south end of the building, and he points up to it, <laughs> and the wall is peeling away from the bricks. Oh, <laughs> it's it, it's really it's really coming down. So he was really telling you something. <laughs> he was. He went, and now that I went, and when I saw it, it was the challenge was not to absolutely freak out because. The, the, the school district, the pre previous owner of the building, had put a cladding wall on the outside of the building to yeah. protect it. It was cement, and it was aggregate, and it was falling apart, and it had somehow become unattached from the, from the brick foundations, and it was starting to peel away, and there was a seagull up there poking its little beak in between the crack. I could see daylight between the wall and this outside wall it was peeling away and there's people running around and there's and there's cars underneath it <laughs> and i was like okay well thank you so much <laughs> sir <laughs> pardon me <laughs> and i went back in made my phone calls got out the hazard tape you know and the whole thing had to be be brought down <laughs> so so ever since then i try to be a little nicer to the to the um to the busybody uh, contractor man, yeah. that when he comes around and he wants to show me something, he can show me that thing. <laughs> so yeah, he may have saved you from a couple of your employees being. Uh, he saved us a lot. My goodness, having a wall fall. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, since since then we so so the, the fall of that wall exposed the brick, and uh, then we started to get a lot of leaking inside the building. So one of the innovations we found since then is this sort of high-tech sealant that uh, a local contractor, a masonry contractor, comes along and he just sprays it all over all the brick that's exposed on that south side, and uh, and it seals it up. So so we didn't have to put that nasty wall back up there. We can see the brick, which is really nice. I'm, I'm thinking of your job now. You have to do art, and you have to deal with all the all the friction of different artists, <laughs> the watercolor artists and the photographers. 
But yet you also have to worry about the wall falling down. Yeah, yeah, there is that. You got quite the job. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. an interesting yeah. job. Plus, you're the backup for the college. <laughs> yeah, plus, yeah, and uh, and if there's a leak in the basement, we 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 are there with our mops, and I got to I got to clean the storm drains every now and then. <laughs> you, you have quite the job. It's a, it's a really interesting job. I've kept you long enough. Oh, it's, it's been my pleasure. My last question that we ask all of our guests is, okay. what's inspired you this week? And it is only Monday. It's only Monday. So we could say, what's what's inspired you last year? <laughs> well, I say this week includes the 31st, you know, which is the last day of the annual campaign. Uh, okay. You know, we do our annual donating uh, fundraising appeal. And I'm also the development staff here and our small staff. And so, so for a few months a year, I become the development director and put the campaign together and let it go. And then uh, as it gets closer and closer to the end of the, of the year, then, then it gets really exciting. And then the last day, people, people come out of the woodwork because it's the last day of the year. And, and I was just really floored by the donations they came in on the 31st. That's pretty inspiring. Yeah, that's good. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And, and I, I did notice yesterday I didn't get this many emails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. From all I the know. places we donate. It's, it is hard to be heard in this current climate of, of emails and, uh, and donation appeals. And, and it, it's always hard to know when to stop and, and when, when to let your programs speak for themselves. And so every year I try, I try something new. I don't know. I just find it inspiring to know that there are people out there who who see that envelope or that email and, and they decide that, yes, I want to support what you're doing. Exciting. Nikki, thank you so much for having me by today. Oh, this has been great. Thank you so much thank for having me on And this the is a holiday. Yeah. And the building's closed and you let me in? Yeah. Thank you very yeah, well, much. Well, someone comes up with a microphone, you know, uh, we let them in the building. And I got a special tour. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. Best to you guys. And I look forward to visit next year. I hope you can stick around for a fantastic tour that Nikki gave me of the Lincoln City Cultural Center. Of course, you won't be able to see like I did, so I would suggest when you get the chance and you're in Oregon, stop by the Lincoln City Cultural Center. The address is 540 Northeast Highway 101, Lincoln City, Oregon. And you can find them on the web at lincolncity-culturalcenter.org and they are all also on Facebook. Stand by for a really good walkabout of the Lincoln City Cultural Center with Nikki. Thank you so much, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the Lincoln City Cultural Center. Thank you. You're going to take us on a little tour? Right. We are, as you uh, know when you came in, that we're in on Highway 101 in Lincoln City, Oregon, uh, which is it's about two blocks from the beach. And uh, we're part of a long touristy town here on the Oregon coast. Uh, the part of the building that you're in right now is called is uh, from 1929. Part of the building was built in 32, and then the auditorium in 54. Uh, it's the old D Lake School Building. I figured it was a school building. Mm -hmm. Mm 
-hmm. It looked like an elementary school. Yeah, my office is uh, in the principal's office, and then across the hallway is the uh, is the upstairs office, which used to be the secretary, uh, and now it's our box office and our upstairs uh, administrative office. And a lot of people get nervous right here in this area, where the two halls meet. And uh, you know, I would right say principal's office. I was always such a good boy when I grew up that if today, if you'll take me in the principal's office, it'll be the first time <laughs> ever. Yeah, I was kind of goody two-shoes myself, so. Uh, I won't say goody two-shoes, but I could always skirt the principal's office. <laughs> so our first stop here is going to be the auditorium, which is the old D Lake School gym. It's got two murals in it on the way in. One is from 1979, and it's in the middle of a restoration process. It's a storybook mural where there's, a, there's an image of a child that is blank in the middle and the idea was that, that the child put themselves in that, that frame and then they could be part of this fantastic story that spins around it. So there's a rainbow and there's some knights and a castle and a, and a storm god and some flying unicorns. It's very... 1979 <laughs> fantasy land. Yeah, but it's Mr. Rogers. Yeah, but it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's really cool. And then on the other side is a mural in progress. Uh, our our visual arts director Krista Eddy is doing sort of a stylized landscape of Lincoln City. It starts at the Celebs River on the south and goes all the way to Cascade River and the Salmon River on the north, and in between all sorts of fish and wildlife and a few landmarks and houses, and uh, she's had about a hundred people working on it so far. Actually, really, a hundred yeah, people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's not done yet, so we're just gonna keep going. Um, kids have come in and, and done a few things, and then other artists, or professional artists, have come in and done their, their little bit. Um, one of our most famous local artists named Ben Sobe. He. Oh, I think he has. Uh... Exhibition he has down the, the hall, hallway right? right now. See, I paid attention. Yeah, these are his fish here. Okay. Um, this is a famous house that's on Celeste Bay. It's uh, from the movie Sometimes a Great Notion, which was filmed here. And uh, so that's the Sometimes a Great Notion house. Uh, and then there's the three rocks, which are sometimes in the Celeste Bay, which are sometimes called uh, the Three Sisters or the Three Brothers. Uh, in Celeste Bay. And I've taken a picture town. of two of those. I don't know, yeah, it's one of the more photographed places, I would say, in our town. Uh, and then there's some kites, and there's the Dee River Bridge, so all sorts of cool things. I guess I have to be here in the summer to see the kites, huh? You do, you do. But uh, we have a big kite festival in June, and then one in uh, early October, September. So. And this is great. I, I was lucky that I got to work uh, on a mural just recently. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, um, it had to be done really quick because my friend who was doing it had COVID. Oh. And she came back the very next day and only had like three days to finish it. So we got my son in there to help and we worked and we worked and we worked. And we projected different animals. Oh, cool. I'm sure with a projector. Yeah. That was fun. Cool. This is uh, where we do our performing arts. Oh, so this is a performing arts center too. Yeah, and that's actually my bailiwick. Is it okay? Yeah. So I come from. I have a theater minor, and I work a little bit in, in regional theater. Uh, 
So that's kind of my first love, theater and music. Uh, and so we do shows in here. It's seats between like maybe up to 150, depending on how you do the seating arrangements. It's a multi-purpose space. So we also do meetings in here, rotary meets in here. We do chamber of commerce luncheons. We do children's theater. This space used to be really clattery, like an old gym. And one of the things that our nonprofit did when we moved into the D Lake School is bring in all this uh, sound baffling. Okay. So it's been engineered with baffles and all these panels and panels behind the wood and things so that it absorbs the sound. And so it's, it's a really nice sound, especially for a small ensemble. Yeah, now that you say that, it does sound kind of should I say dead in here? But well, yeah, it's it's kind of rich and non-responsive. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then we have some, some soundproof doors on that end that help uh, block the, the noise. Oh, okay, from the yeah, street. I guess they would from the street. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Well, we just keep making smaller every year, more and more adjustments. Our sound system just gets a little bit better every year, and uh, and our technical expertise and our lighting. We've got a lot more LED lights. We've got a lot more projections, and and uh, and then we've been working on putting things in the ceiling to make it a little bit more interesting. For some reason, the do they also help with the sound? No, no, no. Those are just paper lanterns that we put up for fun. Before this, there was uh, a bunch of big cones that were made, uh, stars that were made from cones that we used for our construction-themed gala. Okay. And before that, we had hanging jellyfish made from beach debris from the Wash to Shore okay. program, which is down and south of us in Banton. And we've learned that uh, it's just, it just brings the whole, it, it lends a sense of fun and coziness, I think, okay. to this room because it has a really tall ceiling. And without it, it feels just like a church. Yeah, this is a beautiful room. This was original. This was 1929. This is from 54. 54. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why they built it so tall. It's got a peaked roof like no other building in town. I have no, we, nobody knows why. <laughs> well, you know, I could think of basketball and jump shots. And, uh, yeah. But yeah. that would be a little tall even for the... Yeah, I don't, I, I don't the know. It's a whole shot. lot of unused space up there, but it makes it distinctive, and I like yeah. it. So we like it. Our nonprofit has been here since uh, 2007, uh, and we did a, our first round of renovations was uh, handicap access. New bathrooms. Okay, which I assume this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of health and safety. You know, uh, forced air heat. Uh, portable water. Yeah. Maybe there was radiators from the day. Yeah. yeah was it really? From downstairs as well. Oh, okay. Uh, this is our green room, and also a storage area. So this is uh, we got a makeup station back there, piano, monitor for the stage. Big mirror. Big mirror, so you can check yourself out before you go out there. And then it's got the stage access door back there. Neat. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Chessman Gallery. Okay, yes, and yeah. my wife and I spent a lot of time in here the other day. It, you, you can, this, this show in particular, it's yeah. very intricate. It takes a lot of time. 
I put some pictures up from there. I hope I was allowed to take them. Of course, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Chessman Gallery is named after one of our founders, P.J. Chessman, and it was the first program space that we completed in the whole in the whole uh, center. Uh, because before we moved in, our our nonprofit was a was a purely visual arts nonprofit that okay. had its own gallery elsewhere, and they were trying really hard to to come up with them. Uh, a community-based gallery and exhibition space and they tried for about 15 or 20 years and they had a small space that was donated but then when this school was declared surplus and became available then everything was ramped up is, is this who owns the building the city of Lincoln the city, city. okay mm -hmm. and originally obviously belonged to the school district and then this it was purchased by the city in 2005 okay. and ours is owned by the city as yeah. well yeah, it's a very good, it's a very good relationship because it allows us, not owning the building, allows us the freedom to raise funds to to contribute to its upkeep, but also to our own programs and to fill it with programs. Yeah. You know, it, it's pretty clear that a nonprofit can't. You know, maintain and renovate a building, do the programs, plan for the future, and do the maintenance on a historic property like all at the same time. It's it's pretty difficult. Yeah, you have to do what you're best at. Yeah. So let's see here. Moving down the hallway, past the bathrooms, uh, past the fiber arts gallery, which yeah. you also got to visit. We got to visit the other day, and yes. another mural. Another mural. And this one's also from 1979, and uh, restored a couple of years ago. Okay, so this was this was still an elementary school, and this mural was 1979. Oh yes, this was an elementary school until 2001. Okay. Yeah, and this was done by parents uh, and local artists together in 1979. This mural, and I love this mural. It's so trippy. It's so trippy. It's got like a pregnant snake, and it's got a hobbit. <laughs> it's got a jazz band. Of made of insects? Oh, it sure does, doesn't yeah. it? Insects. There's and a grasshopper I, fiddling. I, I, the only reason I think it's jazz is because of this piano player. Yeah, the piano player looks a little jazzy. He looks jazzy, but then there's a kind of a laid-back fiddler. Yeah, I think that's the grasshopper who sat around fiddling. Yeah, right, yeah. I can remember my <laughs> wife telling the kids that story, the ant who worked yeah. and the grasshopper who fiddled, <laughs> and there it is, Yeah. right next to the mushrooms. <laughs> And it's got a few um, of our landmarks here. It has the D Lake School in it, and it kind of harkens back to a time in which the D Lake School really was the only thing in this whole area. It, it pretty much was, and so it predates 101. It predates the Roosevelt Highway and everything else that came before. Uh, then there's this, there's sea logs and mushroom houses, uh, hotels. And the Heartbreak Hotel. And the Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so next on the line is our... I would say that had to be a lot of fun. I know. It's there had to be a lot of laughs from the parents finishing that. Yeah. Yeah, and you got to wonder, some of these things that are cut off, like this pirate ship here. Was that door put in later? Yeah, right? Or did someone just only want to do half of a pirate ship? <laughs> it looks like a pretty, I don't know. I would say the door went in later. Yeah. Maybe. Well, 
maybe. But I don't know. You've got two. Yeah. Well, then you only have this. Yeah, you could be right. I think a lot of these classrooms had to be, you know, had a wall put in the middle to accommodate more teachers, and some of you had to have a, a door with them. Yeah, because one would have thought if we were going to do that, they would have just would moved you? it over a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But it, it gives us something to think about. <laughs> So this room here is our art packet pickup room, and it's like a little store where parents and kids can come and, and pick up uh, art kits that we make here on site. This program began uh, in pandemic uh, when we had a lot of art supplies and we were ready to do workshops. We weren't able to do those workshops, and so we packaged them up and delivered them to people in a sort of a drive-through. We did the drive-through for six months. It was really, really fun. We had a great time. But eventually, Krista decided that it was time to make this program serious and long-lasting, permanent, and how we were going to do that. So now we have a, a permanent space dedicated to the creation of the kits downstairs. We have a really great group of volunteers who puts them all together. And then we have this little room, which is like a little store. They're all labeled, and and you can pick them up, and it's all by donation. Yeah, this is great. It's interesting how different organizations handled the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, I think ours went online. We did some of that, too, the online um, work. I think our streaming, concert streaming, was perhaps the biggest disappointment I would yeah. say for us because it was just so hard to get the technical aspects right. We just kept almost doing it and then something would happen. We'd almost get it right and then something else would happen. It, it's just hard to have a band playing in an empty room and, and, and engineer the sound for the people in the room and engineer the sound for the people outside of the room and then get it all crashed together on some sort of wire and send it out into the universe and then and then be the tech support for all the people who can't get it on their, yes. on their TVs and phones. And, and so when that era was over, I have to tell you, I was happy to bid it goodbye, to just go back to being just regular concerts. And I, I also volunteer. We have a national monument in our area called Gold Butte National Monument. And there's a friends group, Friends of Gold Butte. And they always had Wednesday night speaker series once a month. Mm -hmm. So I told them, I will do the speaker series when you go live again. Because they were in pandemic, they went strictly, and they were doing good, except they weren't they weren't able to do their 50-50, so they weren't getting the, the fundraising in. Yeah. So I did the very first one, uh -huh. and they spent time in there, and a lot of time, and a lot more time, and more time, and got everything set up, because I had a lot of video in my presentation. And when I went to start it, they said, oh, it's not working. Uh -huh. I so I did. So I had no video. It was a, oh, it was a crusher. And they're it still going, but they don't want to give up because they've done, they don't want to give up their Zoom because they started, they did well with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some of those, those pandemic practices are really going to last. You yeah. know, we, we do a, 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 Krista and a volunteer named Gray do a really cool gallery tour. And it used to be the only way that people could see the shows that we were putting okay. on here. But now we do it just because it's, it's... You continue to do it? Yeah, because it's a way to to memorialize what we did for that month and a half or a month at the gallery and talk to the artists and reach people all over the world. And so we're going to keep doing it. Has it expanded your reach, do you know? I think so. Yeah. 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 
hard to say though, really. I mean, appear the views, the 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 three second views, the the six second views, the yeah. um, you know, it's pretty hard to know if you're really kidding. Well, and there's a lot of competition. There's a lot, but of I but I think it's so intriguing because you know we're just here and we this place is wonderful. So everywhere we go now, we go to the local art galleries. Yeah, yeah. So, so would that be different if you if we were didn't have Facebook outreach or it's it's so hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know. We saw it by driving by. So yeah. Uh, so I'm really really proud of this program. I think we are at uh, sixteen thousand kits distributed. Sixty thousand. Six, sixteen. Sixteen thousand. Sixteen. Still very good. Sixteen thousand since the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, so, that's yeah. wonderful. And then. Just this past Considering Friday, what the, I don't know what the population here is, but. It is around 10,000. Okay, so that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, we're really proud You're of it. You're reaching out. Yeah, and it supports itself um, almost 100%. Okay. Do you have any grants? To... Yes, yes, we're moving into some more grants. Uh, the program, the, our outreach program is expanding this fall, has, has expanded this fall to take some of this work into the schools themselves. So right now we're hitting uh, all the third and fourth graders in our public school okay. system with a monthly art lesson. So that's one of my big grant writing drives right now is to try to fund that program and expand it. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's all due to uh, the personnel that we have here, but also the need in our community. Yeah, now is this 100% volunteer? Uh, this program is led by Krista, who is okay. a who is a a, a um, employee here, and then all this the these work this work is done by volunteers. Okay. Yeah, we have a staff of six. It's about four and a half uh, FTE. Oh, okay. Um, this is our meeting room. It's called Margaret's. We just redid this room. One of the most beautiful things that's happened to our building in the last three or four years is uh, that the city paid for historic reproduction window replacements. So uh, if we had been in this room three years ago, um, you would have seen these extra wide windows with cracks and you know clouded in the storm in this between the storm panels and you know they don't work, they don't open and and it was just kind of sad. Yeah, the wood floor and the wood windows here are beautiful. Yeah, so the city city brought in a, a window specialist, and he custom made these new windows all throughout the building. So then, once we got these beautiful windows in this room, we were like, "Oh goodness, we've got to do something about this room." <laughs> and so uh, we we jumped in and brought in uh, new wood floors and new closets and new wall coverings and paint. And it's here and used for meetings. Let me turn out the light. our dance studio which we use for there's some line dancing some ballet a little bit of tap uh, and uh, next door we kind of pass by is our yoga studio okay and uh, there are two classrooms about the same size okay you, you really encompass a lot here we do a lot of stuff here And we did not go downstairs, so this no. will be my first time downstairs. That's okay. People don't know, always know if they're walking downstairs. Uh, this mural happened in 
2022. It's by a street artist named Gats, which stands for uh, Graffiti Against the System. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he was coming through here on his way to another project, and he kept seeing our place and seeing our place, and so uh, the Portland Street Art Alliance called us up and asked us if we didn't want to uh, piggyback on their project, this other project, and and we got this mural for very, very reasonable price. And I just think it's fantastic. It is, isn't it? It really just, he, he came down here and he said, what you need is a mural that will kind of entice people from upstairs and also from down the hall to the stairs to get more flow and excitement in this hallway. And exactly I like that the tentacles need. are reaching up the steps. Yes, that's exactly what we needed. So, and this is his icon. If you look him up, this is the this is the icon he reproduces all over the place. And it's sort of like a samurai with tentacles and it's kind of steampunky a little bit. Yeah. One of those things you have to kind of look up. I can't really describe it. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll need to get a lot of links from you anyway. Okay, sure. Yeah, because you haven't had a chance, but we we have a page. Sure. For all of I'm our sorry guests. I haven't had a chance. Oh, you don't have to be sorry. <laughs> uh, we have two potters working in this uh, studio, so that's one one of the our, our sort of sidelines is affordable studio space for artists. And so right now we've got five working artists in the in the, in the building. Mosaics upstairs. We've got two full time potters in Studio One, and then we have sort of um, mixed media artists working in Studio. Okay. Yeah. And can I ask how much you charge? I think we're doing about 65 cents a square foot right now. Hey, walking through. Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. Happy New Year. That's right. It's New Year, isn't it? It is. Makeup, you know, like makeup project classes. We also do beginning ceramics classes, and then we do memberships, so people can come in and work. Okay. And How many kilns do you have? We have two, right through here. And we're even a little murally back here, huh? Yeah. Murally. <laughs> That's a new word I just made up. Uh, yeah. So these are our kilns. Working on installing, making it possible to install two more over there in the corner so that uh, our new potters in Studio One can have their own, their own kilns. And uh, it's sort of in response to their production needs versus our, our student needs. Yeah. So it's been interesting. Yeah, it's neat you have everything here. <laughs> and we have this sort of groove over situation with our sprinkler system. <laughs> well, all of them look like that, you know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and he was outside, this guy was outside for a long time. Uh, he's a tourist, supposedly, uh, but he got kind of beat up, so he decided to bring him inside. And he does look touristy. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, just real quickly, here's our ceramic, our, uh, sorry, our commercial kitchen. Uh, and so we can do all our own food for receptions and luncheons. Oh, that's fantastic. Like that. And then this is the art packet. I guess called the children's art factory room. So here's where the volunteers make the packets. Okay, okay. Yeah, you were yeah. saying downstairs, mm -hmm. okay. And also we have classes in here, you know, kids can come and do little workshops in here. And uh, it's been really great that Krista has a place to bring all her stuff and store it properly. Um, before she was just shuffling it from here to there in different places in the, in the building. And we end up getting a lot of donations, donated supplies. So she's just got to constantly figure out how to store them and what to do with them. And then through there, that's that mixed media couple that I was talking about. Okay. Um, yeah, and then some murals outside. Yeah, that's a that's a children's mural from 2011. Yeah, so that one needs a little help. And this room is a real working room. Yeah, yeah, they, they take all sorts of... Uh, uh, Vegetation and uh, willows and trees and beads and flowers and they dry their flowers in that room next door to us and, and they put them together in fairy crowns and bouquets and bundles and we all just we take any any opportunity we can to walk through here because it smells yeah it does really smell good nice. doesn't it. <laughs> Yeah, what a fantastic facility. Thank you. Thank you. I, I shouldn't you say facility, facility. Sounds so cold. <laughs> this is warm. Well, but it has to be treated like a facility too. You know, it has to be maintained. Yes. And, yeah. And uh, improved. So it's a facility. I'm not sure how much a podcast lends itself to a walking tour of a cultural center but Nikki certainly had a lot of interesting things to say and when you get to Lincoln City you can take the tour yourself once again thank you Nikki for allowing us to interview you and visit your amazing cultural center thank you that's it for the art box in Lincoln City Oregon Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.